Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 5, the Detroit Tigers 2. The Indians sweep the three-game weekend series against the Tigers. And actually, believe it or not, they have moved into first place in the American League Central Division. Now I know, I know it's only eight games into this season, but... Let us have our fun. Come on, it's the first place Cleveland Indians. Did you think that would be the case after those first two games up in Detroit? They're on a four-game winning streak. They're rolling. So you know what? I'm going to keep the positivity train going on this show, and I am going to be excited that our baseball team is in first place. April's a tricky time, but if you get off to a good start in April, it could mean good things for the rest of the season. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it took a while to get going yesterday. Well, I shouldn't say that. We scored, you know, two runs early. We actually spread our runs out throughout the game. There was actually a lot going on throughout the game, but it did feel like a bit of a grind until we finally put two runs across in the eighth inning where you, where you finally felt comfortable about this game. And, man, the theme of this game was wasted opportunities. It was, it was waiting for the big hit to come. And uh, it took a while. It absolutely took a while. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines from this game. Let's talk some stats, some numbers. We're going to have a fun player. Well, not fun. It's actually going to be an ugly player comparison coming up in a little bit. And then we'll talk a little bit about the White Sox and what we're going to see in this series coming up. So, uh, yeah, there were not a lot of hard-hit balls yesterday. It, it was a pretty... Uh, and not that the pitchers were doing great either. That's what was so ugly about it. The pitchers weren't doing good. The uh, the offense wasn't hitting anything hard. And so both teams kind of had an ugly day. And it was kind of an ugly win for the Cleveland Indians. I mean, the Indians draw seven walks... The Tigers drew five walks. The Indians only have seven hits on the day. The Tigers only have four hits on the day. Uh, The Tigers, our pitching staff is only credited with giving up six hard hit balls. Four from Logan Allen, two from the bullpen. Uh, And then the Tigers pitching is only credited credited with giving up six hard hit balls. So yeah, so... I mean, this is based on Baseball Savant. If you were there at the game, maybe you felt different about some of those. But, yeah, six hard-hit balls by each team throughout the game. That is not a lot. That's a pretty pretty weird, pretty weak day at the plate for both teams. Now, the Indians definitely had their Sunday lineup in there. Austin Hedges is doing the catching. Jake Bowers is playing first base, hitting eighth. Um, Andres Jimenez leading off. Andres Jimenez got a chance to lead off the game, and uh, he got to hit it. You know, had a double, scored a run. Francona said that this is not something that they plan on doing regularly. Everyone was curious when they saw the lineup. They thought maybe, maybe this is the right move. Maybe this is the move going forward. He said he does not want to put that kind of pressure on the young player's plate. So he's going to keep him hitting low in the lineup. He'll probably hit ninth today, but. Since he coming off that home run, since he was feeling good about himself, he thought, you know what? I'm going to let the guy lead off. I'm going to give him a chance to lead off. 
And, uh, you know, just give them a day. Give them a Sunday. So it's not going to happen a lot, according to Francona. Whether it should happen or should not happen, I don't know. Eventually, could Jimenez be a leadoff hitter? He's athletic. He's got some speed. He stole, actually stole 30-some bases, I think, when he was with the Mets or in their minor league system. So, yeah, I can see it one day. He's only hitting 190 to start the season. So uh, we don't know how much he walks, you know, what his on-base percentage is going to be over 162-game season. So it's fine if Jimenez hits 8th, ninth in this lineup for now. Could we see it? Maybe, who knows, maybe by July, once we see what, what his on-base percentage is going to be, will he want to take on that pressure, that challenge of hitting leadoff? You know, will Jordan Luplo just keep hitting home runs from the leadoff spot? And then, you know, Francona says, see, it's working. We, we don't know. We don't know how this is going to shape, how this is going to grow. What I do know is I told you yesterday that for this team to be successful, every day new heroes have to emerge from the lineup. And yesterday it was the seven, eight, nine hitters, right? Wrap it around to the one and two hitters, right? Those were the heroes yesterday. Three, four, five, and six were pretty rough yesterday, aside from that solo home, two days ago, aside from that solo home run. Well, yesterday, guess what? It's the four and five hitters. The four and five hitters do all your damage yesterday. Um, two hits apiece for Eddie Rosario and for Mio Reyes, and they were two big hits. They were two big hits that really uh, created some good offense for the Indians. Eddie Rosario's final line, he's uh, two for three, two runs scored, the, a double, a walk, and a strikeout. Good day for Eddie Rosario. For Fermil Reyes, he also goes two for three, one run scored, one double, one RBI, and a walk. So yeah, so good job for Fermil Reyes. And he had two of those hard hit balls for the Indians. So there it is. There was your offense yesterday. Eddie Rosario was also stealing bases yesterday. He stole third base. So yeah, so Eddie Rosario was really hustling and making things happen yesterday. And I was, I'm, I'm surprised. I did not know Eddie Rosario was as athletic as he is. He seems like a pretty athletic outfielder. I think the only knock on him as an outfielder is sometimes... He can sail a throw, right? Sometimes he misses the cutoff man. Sometimes he doesn't make good decisions on where he's throwing the ball. But he seems to hold his ground pretty good in left field. He can get back to the wall and catch things. He came in and made a sliding catch at some point this weekend. I Honestly, it's a blur. I cannot remember which game that was in. And yeah, Rosario seems like he stole third base. He seems like a really athletic, smart, aggressive player. Uh, he legs out that um, what could have been a double play. He beats it out the other day, which sets up a big inning for the Indians. So, yeah, so Eddie Rosario has impressed me in his start so far. So, yeah, Fermil Reyes and Eddie Rosario holding it down in the middle of the lineup, but then all day we were waiting for the big hit, right? I mean, the way we scored runs yesterday. So Jake Bowers comes up with the bases loaded, and he uh, he grounds into a force out. He it was it was a high chop, and so he's able to beat it out to first. It lets Eddie Rosario come in to score. Reyes goes to third. Ahmed Rosario's out at second, and Bowers is safe at, safe at first. So yeah, so an ugly way, but they scratch across a run in the second inning when they had the bases loaded and they 
and they really had a chance to uh, have a big inning. It doesn't happen, but at least they got one out of it, right? At least they got one run out of it. Then they do get a nice little uh, combo in the bottom of the third inning when Cesar Hernandez singles and brings in Andres Jimenez. I believe Jimenez doubled, and then uh, Cesar Hernandez brings him in, and that's with nobody out in the third. So you thought there might be more in the third, especially after we put so many guys on in the second, but it fizzles out. And then uh, in the sixth inning, Ahmed Rosario grounds into a double play. So he comes up with runners on first and third, nobody out, chops it to shortstop. They turn two. The run does come into score. So, yeah, it was ugly. We were up 3-1 at that point, and it's pretty ugly. It's a pretty ugly game. With as many guys as Jose Urena walked in four and two-thirds innings, you would have thought that we would have scored a few more runs, but we don't. It's it's kind of an ugly, ugly win for, you know, ugly lead for the Indians. And you kind of felt like it was going to stay that way. You just kept waiting for the big hit, right? We put ourselves in situations. Runners on first and third, nobody out. You know, bases loaded, one out. We kept putting ourselves in good situations. The big hit just wasn't coming until the bottom of the eighth inning. And this whole inning is set up by Nomar Mazzara. Nomar Mazzara uh, attempts to throw all the way from right field to third base. It allows the runners to all advance. Um... It allows Jose Ramirez gets all the way to third. Eddie Rosario comes up behind him to second. And now Fermil Reyes is up. He singles into right field. And uh, now Nomar Mazara comes up and fires a, I, I don't even know what to call it, a rainbow throw that sails way over the catcher's head. Uh, it allows Jose Ramirez comes into score. Eddie Rosario comes into score. Fermil Reyes goes into second. And it was the big hit. Fermil Reyes had the big hit that allowed... He gets credited with one RBI, and the other run scores, I'm guessing, on an error by Nomar Mazzara. Let's see if Nomar Mazzara was credited with some errors yesterday. And yes, he was credited with two. Two throwing errors yesterday. So, uh, yeah, that, that was the big hit. That was the big hit we were waiting for with runners in scoring position, and it scores two runs. So Fermil Reyes finally delivers. And like I said, Rosario really, he scores two of the runs today. He really felt like he was the engine that was getting this offense going. So good day from the middle of the lineup. So that was the one storyline. The other storyline was about pitching. And the pitching yesterday, Logan Allen struggled. Logan Allen struggled to start the game, but he did settle in. And his final line is not terrible. His final line on the day, five innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, three walks, five strikeouts. Yes, the walks are troubling. He also hit a batter. Uh, Let's not forget that. I believe the first batter of the game, Robbie Grossman. Yeah, he plunked him, I believe, on the second pitch. So he comes high and tight with a fastball, tries to come high and tight with a fastball again, and puts it in his shoulder. So not a great start from Logan Allen. And if we look at the illustrator over here on Baseball Savant, we could actually see the location of his pitches. And my God, was that four-seam fastball up. I mean, eventually, he started to mix it down in the zone and kind of paint that, uh, that left edge of the strike zone from the catcher's view. So that's a lefty throwing across the zone and really pounding that fastball in on the right-handed hitters. That was clearly what he was trying to do. 
He was not going to give the right-handed hitters the opportunity to extend their arms. He was going to keep pounding them inside, even if it meant plunking someone. Even if it meant walking someone, he kept fighting in there. There were way too many fastballs above the strike zone, way too many high. I don't know if he was just amped up. What it was, it definitely felt like he settled into a groove, though. It settled in the groove. He threw a lot of sliders, a lot of fastballs. If we go over to his pitch mix, um, let's look at the player breakdowns on Baseball Savant. Logan Allen threw his fastball 42 times, uh, threw the slider 34, the changeup 13, and the curveball only three times. It's not a great CSW. It's only a 30% CSW. That's called strikes and whiffs. Um, the slider was the most effective of those pitches. The slider had a 41% CSW. So he was really, he actually got a ton of called strikes. He did not get a lot of swings and misses yesterday. Um, only seven total whiffs in the game on 33 swings on 92 pitches, only seven swings and misses, but he got 21 called strikes. He was dropping the, he dropped the slider in 11 times for a called strike. That's big. That's, that's pretty big. Um, I don't know what that tells us about the Tigers hitters. Does it tell us that they were just trying to be patient, thinking that he would continue to walk people and that he was a little too wild and they, they uh, weren't trusting that he could throw for a strike? I don't know. We'll see if teams are more aggressive against his slider in future starts. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was the pitch mix for Logan Allen, but he wasn't really the story. He only goes five innings. He leaves with a 3-1 lead. So it's an okay start. It's a little bit shorter than the other starters have been going. The other starters have been going six, seven innings. And so it was a little bit shorter start, but that's okay. He's very young. He's the new guy in the rotation, and he gave you five solid innings. That's okay. Now, last start, they piggybacked him with Tristan McKenzie, right? They wanted to get McKenzie in there. That didn't happen yesterday because McKenzie is starting tonight. But they do have Cal Quintrill out there. Quintrill had warmed up, I believe, on Saturday, but never got in the game. So I was curious what decision Terry Francona would make here with his bullpen. Would he piggyback Quantrill with a 3-1 lead and let Quantrill try to eat up three innings? Or would he go to his bullpen, actually go to his bullpen? And that's what he did. And to be honest, the bullpen's barely been used uh, this weekend, so they were pretty fresh out there. So Brian Shaw comes in for the sixth inning with a 3-1 lead. Not a bad spot for Brian Shaw to come into. It's not, you know, as the innings go on, the pressure mounts, and this is a relatively... Um, you know, a low-stress inning, you could say, for a bullpen guy. He's got a two-run lead. It's only the sixth inning. There's still plenty of time left in the game. And he was very effective. He gets out of it on only seven pitches. Um, throws the cutter five times, the slider twice. He has a really solid inning. All right, so the seventh inning now. Now it's time to get into the, uh, the heart of the bullpen. Who pitches the seventh inning? Nick Wickren, still with a 3-1 lead. Wickren, it doesn't it does not go as well for Nick Wickren. He gives up a solo home run to Wilson Ramos. And yeah, it was it was a fastball that was called for down and just he just missed. He just missed. He left it up in the zone. He it was a beautiful hittable pitch. And uh Wilson Ramos is completely locked in right now. I believe Ramos has four home runs already on this short season. So 
Uh, Ramos was the one guy in, in the Tigers lineup yesterday that you did not want to pitch to. Ramos has a 1.224 OPS to start the season. So not the guy you wanted to leave a fastball uh, up middle of the plate to. And yeah, Wickren just gave him one bad pitch and boom, like that. That's how quick things can change. Other than that, uh, it wasn't a terrible inning for him. He didn't walk anyone. He does get a strikeout, and he does get out of the inning with only giving up that hit. Through 16 pitches, had to work a little bit harder than Shaw. All right, it's 3-2 to two now, and uh, that sets us up for James Karinchek in the eighth. Now, at this point, it's pretty clear what Francona is doing, right? Wickren seven, Karinchek gets the eighth, and Classe we knew was coming in in the ninth. So Karinchek comes in, walks the first batter because that's what Karinchek does, but then strikes out the next three batters. And how did Karinchek do it yesterday, right? Because we know he's got two pitches. He's got the fastball and he's got the the, uh, curveball. Well, it was all fastballs yesterday, and I believe all three strikeouts were swinging on the fastball. He threw the fastball 18 times, only three curveballs. 21 pitches total. Yes, if you are striking guys out, you are going to throw more pitches in the inning. If you're inducing weak contact like Brian Shaw did, then you only have to throw seven pitches. But Karachek is going to come in and work and talk to the ball and flip it around, and he does get three strikeouts. Um, four whiffs on eight swings on that fastball. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good fastball from Karachek. His max velocity on the fastball was 96.8. Uh, he averaged 95.7. Remember when Karachek first came up, everyone thought he was going to be like a 99, 100-mile-per-hour guy. It seems like 95, 96 is the max on the fastball. I do think if when we all thought he was like a 97, 98, 99 kind of fastball guy, it does create more separation with the curveball and... Uh, It'd be interesting. It's interesting to know why we thought his fastball was that hot, right? Why I remember when he first came up, we all thought his fastball was going to be like that, and it seems to have slow or settled into this 95-96 range. So, great. It was a great performance from Karinchek. It was a really good, strong, aggressive performance from Karinchek. And then Class A comes in and pitches the ninth inning. He also throws 18 pitches. He threw the cutter 15 times and the slider three times. So the word must have been out in the bullpen. The, just go attack these guys with the heat. Just go throw the heat. He also walks someone, does give up a hit, but gets a strikeout and then a double play to get out of the game. And so Emmanuel Class A gets the save. Logan Allen does get the win. Everybody else gets a hold. And it's a pretty impressive outing from the Indians' bullpen. That's four strong innings from the Indians' bullpen. So those were the two storylines yesterday that took place in this game. And you know what? To be honest, when you look back on it, it was kind of a fun game. There was something happening in every inning, right? The Indians were getting guys on. Uh, Unfortunately... uh, only the middle of the order were the only ones really hitting yesterday. The bottom of the order from 7, 8, and 9 gave you nothing in that game yesterday. So uh, those are the big storylines. Now, I wanted to talk about something because somebody on Twitter called Jake Bowers Matt Laporta 2.0, which was a funny tweet. It was a really funny tweet. 
And uh, then they started a conversation on Twitter. So uh, shout outs to, uh, let's see, who started this conversation? Uh, Toll, at Toll Tribe uh, started this conversation. And uh, we, we got into it a little bit comparing Matt Laporta to Jake Bowers. And if you remember Matt Laporta, the guy we got in the CC Sabathia trade was supposed to be this big time uh, hitter, this big, powerful first baseman. And uh, he was going to be the new power hitter in the Cleveland Indians lineup. The big acquisition from the CC Sabathia trade, which coincidentally turned out to be Michael Brantley, the player to be named later. But uh, Matt Laporta did play uh, four seasons, part of four seasons for the Indians. And that's it. That's his entire major league career was four seasons with the Cleveland Indians. Now, uh, there's a cool website called stathead.com. It looks like they pull their data from baseball reference. And it's a fun way of comparing two players. You can compare multiple players against each other and look at their career stats or look at a few years. If you want to isolate some years, you could do that. So looking at Jake Bauer's career stats so far against Matt Laportis. Now, this does include the 2018 season when Jake Bowers was with Tampa Bay and actually had an okay season. Now, Bowers is only 25 now. For Laporta, it was his 24 to 27 age season. Uh, Laporta did play in almost 80 more games, had about 200, over 200 more plate appearances. So throw that out there that Laporta definitely uh, got a few more chances than Bowers did. However, the numbers are strikingly similar. I mean, almost scary similar in some situations. Um, the batting averages, career batting average for Jake Bowers right now is 213. It was 238 for Matt Laporta. On base percentage is 312 for Jake Bowers. It's 301 career on base percentage for Laporta. Uh, slugging percentage, Bowers is at 373. Laporta at 393. So that means their OPSs are almost identical. Jake Bowers is a 685 career OPS. Laporta is a 694 career OPS. I mean, that's that's not good either way and strikingly similar. When you look at some of the other uh, stats, when it comes to war, right? Baseball reference war. Uh, they got Jake Bowers at a minus 0.7. Laporta was just a minus one on the dot. Uh, that's not good. Looking at some of the advanced stats here. Uh, batting average balls in play. Uh, Jake Bowers was a 270 batting average on the balls he put in play. Laporta, 276. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? The win probability. Win probability added for Jake Bowers, negative 1.5. For Matt Laporta, it was negative 2.4. Uh, strikeout rates, uh, strikeout rates. Jake Bauer strikes out 26.8% of the time. Laporta only struck out 20.9% of the time. Bowers actually strikes out a lot more. Home run rate, right? Both of these guys are supposed to be power hitters. Jake Bowers, 2.8% home run percentage, percentage on all plate appearances that he hit a home run. For Matt Laporta, 2.9. I mean, these guys are strikingly similar. When you look at these numbers compared to each other. So yeah, so uh, that's not good. That is not good for uh, for Jake Bowers. Because Matt Laporta was a disaster. Matt Laporta was an absolute disaster 
for the Cleveland Indians. He was supposed to be the prize of the CC Sabathia trade, and it was it was a disaster. And Jake Bowers, I wouldn't call him the prize. Remember, the Enwood Encarnacion trade was complicated. Because not only we got Santana back in that trade, but then to move money around, we gave Yandy Diaz to Tampa Bay, and we got Jake Bowers back in exchange for that. Yandy Diaz has had his ups and downs with Tampa Bay, but I get, I think we would all agree that Yandy Diaz is a better player than Jake Bowers. And so, yeah, so I agree with everybody. You know, everybody on Twitter, everybody talking yesterday, I agree with you. Jake Bowers is... A disaster. I'm done with him. I don't want to see him anymore in the Cleveland lineup. I want to see Yu Chang in there. I want to see Yu Chang get as many at-bats. And if it's at first base, then fine, it's at first base. And I want to see what Bobby Bradley could do. Because I think, yes, Bobby Bradley would strike out. We all know Bobby Bradley would strike out. But it would be fine because Bobby Bradley could deliver better than what Jake Bowers is doing right now, who's hitting .077. With a 220 OPS. Uh, he's done. He's 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 done. I, I'm done. As far as a Cleveland Indians fan, I am done with Jake Bowers. You could not get him out of here fast enough. DFA him. Designate him for assignment. Would another team even take him? I don't know at this point. Uh, get Bobby Bradley up here. Get Bobby Bradley and Yu Chang in a platoon at first base. And let's get it going. Because it wouldn't be this bad. It wouldn't be. And when Bobby Bradley hits some of those majestic home runs to right field, we would all be standing and clapping. We'd be standing on our seats giving him an ovation just to know that Jake Bowers is out of here and Bobby Bradley is getting a chance. So I agree with all of you. As positive as I like to be and as much as I like to give players a chance, I am done with Jake Bowers. All right. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about, well, all right, so before we move on to MLB news or previewing the White Sox, let's give MVP for the day here, and uh, it wasn't too hard actually today. It was not too hard to pick MVP for the day. I got to give MVP for the day to the bullpen. I'm giving it to the bullpen as a whole. Maybe not Nick Wickren. Eh, Maybe not Nick Wickren, but Shaw, Karinczak, and Klasse. Class A had a little more wiggle room to work with because we put those two runs on in the bottom of the eighth. But Shaw, Karinchek, and Class A were as advertised yesterday. They were pretty dominant uh, bullpen group. I think Logan Allen, uh, Logan Allen made a joke. He called them, oh, what did he call them? Brian Shaw and the, oh yeah, Logan Allen called them Uncle Brian and the rest of the boys. So clearly Brian Shaw has taken on the, uh, the role of old man in the bullpen. Uh, yeah, Brian, Uncle Brian and the rest of the boys deserve MVP for the day. They were really fantastic in shutting down the Tigers. All right, so let's get into previewing the White Sox because I know some of you are thinking, well, we're in first place, but we've only played the Tigers and the Royals. What about when we face real teams? Well, here's your test. Here's your early season test facing the uh, division rival White Sox and it's going to be a fun series. It is going to be a tough series. Uh, we got a bunch of 8 o'clock games until Thursday is the getaway day, and you have a 2-10 start, and we are going to be facing the good pitching from the White Sox. I mean, we are going to be facing some really tough pitching. Uh, looking at some of the pitching stats, their starters are as advertised right now. Giolito is uh, 1-0. Their ERAs are a little high, a 4-2-2, but his whip 
Giolito's whip is at 0.84. Batters are hitting 154 against him. He has 18 strikeouts already in two starts. Keuchel struggled. Keuchel in two starts has two no decisions. He's got a 7.0 ERA. Uh, he has he's had his struggles. 1.67 WHIP and a 2.78 batting average against. Lance Lynn has been as advertised. He's one and zero in two starts. He has 17 strikeouts, a 0.95 WHIP with a 2.12 against. And Carlos Rodon, who we face tonight. It's going to be Rodon against McKenzie. It's going to be the battle of two former first-round draft picks. Eh, McKenzie was like in the compensatory picks, but still a first-round pick. He's 1-0 on the season. He has a zero ERA. So does Lance Lynn. Both have zero. They have not given up an earned run yet. In fact, uh, Rodon has not even gave up a run. He, in his one start, he went five innings, two hits, uh, three walks, and nine strikeouts. So, yeah, so... It's going to be a battle. It is going to be a battle against this pitching. And their bullpen is as advertised. Like Garrett Crochet is at a 0.69 whip. Michael Kopech is at a 0.47 whip. So, yeah, we are going to have to battle uh, against this pitching staff. It is going to be tough games. Their hitting has not come around like people thought their hitting was going to be. Uh, it doesn't help that they've got a, little, a lot of guys out. Eloy Jimenez is obviously the big story. He's out for a couple months with his pectoral injury. They've had a lot of hamstrings injury, injuries recently. Tim Anderson is out with a hamstring. Billy Hamilton. Yeah, they picked up Billy Hamilton after we cut him. He's out with a hamstring. And Adam Engel is out with a hamstring. So they've got three outfielders down and their starting shortstop all down. So who are we going to be facing? Jose Abreu is struggling. He's only hitting 216. Uh, he struck out a ton, 13 times already. Uh, Adam Eden's doing okay for them. We're definitely going to face him. Your mean Mercedes. The dude is just on a tear. He's, he, he's played in seven games. He's had 28 at-bats. He's hitting 536. 536. That is incredible. Uh, his his OPS is 1.451 to start the season. So yeah, your mean Mercedes, uh, we are going to learn about him fast. And uh, hopefully the Indians pitchers are looking at the tape right now and they're seeing something that they can exploit. Because uh, so far the Angels pitching and the Kansas City pitching have not been able to slow this guy down. Uh, that's really it. Yasmani Grandal is only hitting 211. Johan Mancata is hitting 161. Luis Robert is hitting 250. Uh, Lurie Garcia, who's playing shortstop for them, is only at 120. Yeah, it's it's rough for them right now. Um, so we'll see. Their offense is scuffling. Uh, again, it's early. It's early for everybody. We get it. But yeah, I think it's going to be some really tight games, some two to one games and stuff like that. It's you're going to want to jump on one of these starters early because you are not going to want to face their bullpen when they have the lead. It's not just like they don't want to face our bullpen with the Indians having a lead. You're right. Either team, if either team can bring their bullpen in with a lead, that might be it. It'll be interesting to see if in four games, either team can beat either team's bullpen. So that is what's coming up with the White Sox in this series. Uh, The other MLB news before we go, the Phillies and the Braves game. Everybody is losing their mind about this this umpire review, this this replay review. Uh, Boehm for the Phillies 
slides into home plate on a tag up. His sack fly to left field. He tags up from third base. Uh, the game was tied 6-6, and he slides in, and the ump calls him safe. They go to review. They review it. The call is still safe. However, it is evident on the replay that Bohm's foot never touched home plate. He slid in with his left foot out. The catcher swipes the tag. It moves his foot to the left, and his foot never touches the plate. And the ump was standing right there, missed the call. I'm sure it was a cloud of dust. I'm sure it was a hard call. And then the umps reviewing it did not overturn it, even though you that's the point of replay, to get these things right. And the ump didn't do it. And somebody tweeted out, one of the big baseball writers tweeted out that, oh, maybe the umps in New York don't want to show up the umps on the field. If that's the situation, then man, is that a broken system, because that is the whole point of replay. So that's the big MLB news going on. It actually overshadows what was a pretty good game between the Braves and the Phillies. All the stars went off. Uh, Freeman had a home run for the Braves. Acuna had a home run. Bryce Harper had a home run. All the stars were coming up big in that game yesterday. And then it ends like that on, on a terrible, terrible umpire review. So That was the big MLB news. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Indians 5. It's the Tigers 2. We'll be back tomorrow to cover the start of this White Sox series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.